Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Thank you, Tony. Didn't you do a good job? Amen. Amen. Oh, boy, somebody's got me something to eat up here. <laughs> Who's the wise guy? Where's Rick at? Oh, Mary? I will cherish these until they're all gone. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here this morning. And isn't it a beautiful day? How many of you got hit by the storm the other night? We did a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, you know, God protected us, and, and uh, we're still here to tell about it this morning, so I think we serve a wonderful God. I think the God that we serve it takes care of us, and the God that we serve is the God of the Bible. And <clears throat> how many of you have ever asked yourself, what does God want me to do? And I don't know how many times that I have even said, you know, God, just send me a text. Send me an email, write me a letter, give me a phone call, and you know what? He has. He has. Not a text, not a phone call, not an email, but he wrote us a letter. And in that letter, he explicitly tells us what he wants us to do. The problem is we don't read the letter enough. Amen? Hey, amen. That's a little better. <laughs> we just don't we just don't get into the letter that he gave us, and we don't really read it because we are so busy. We are so busy doing other things that we don't. Sometimes we put this book up on Sunday afternoon when we get home from church, and then next Sunday, whenever we get ready for church, we say, "Where did I put my Bible?" Any of you guilty of that? Yeah, we all are. And uh, you're probably lying to me if you didn't, if you didn't raise your hand. Because once in a while, life gets so busy that we seem to kind of shy away from what is really, really important. And there is nothing more important than doing what God wants us to do. So I'm going to give you three things this morning that God has explicitly told you to do. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Some of my very favorite scripture, and, <coughs> and I usually don't preach on the first couple of verses here because it deals with uh, how that you should feel about church leadership. And even though I think once in a while you should hold the church leadership way up high, I get to thinking, no, I'm not that important. So don't put me on a pedestal. So I kind of I shy away from that a little bit, and we get on down. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the first thing that God really wants you to do is to love one another. Simple, right? He wants you to love me. 
Simple, right? Yeah, sometimes. He wants me to love you. That's simple, right? It's easy, believe it or not, it is easy to love someone who loves you back. But I want you to realize that Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. When we were in a condition that we uh, uh, didn't care about God, we didn't care about the church, we didn't care about one another. And as our earthly uh, human nature is, take care of number one, right? I'm going to take care of myself and the rest of the world can just go in a handbag. I'm going to leave out that other word (laughs) It, they, it, just, it can just go by, and we, uh, <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we are okay, and we are, we are so self-centered once in a while, we forget that Jesus tells us to love one another. He, he said one of the very most important things, whenever the disciples said, what are the two commandments? He said, first is love God, and secondly is to love who? Your neighbor, how? As yourself. I really like me. Do you really like you? Sure you do. If you didn't like who you were, you would change. Right? If you didn't like who you were, you would change as much as possible to make you like yourself. And God tells you, and God tells me, to love your neighbor the same way that we love ourselves. The same way that we want to be treated. We need to treat our neighbors the same way. Y- yesterday I was out and, and uh, on my morning walk and I was, I was kind of, I'd walk down to the church and, and <laughs> there were some trees blowing across the road. And so I, after my walk I got on my little tractor and I drove down, moved the trees out of the road so people could get down to the cemetery and as, uh, but as, as I was walking back, my neighbor hollered at me, and I, I was talking to him a little bit. Believe it or not, you can still talk to your neighbors. How many of you do that every once in a while? Just stop by and say, hey, how you doing? Well, whenever I stopped by and said, hey, how you doing? He said, hey, do you know anybody that welds? I said, what you got? He said, my mower broke. I said, well, bring it over. And so I, I welded it for him. He said, what do I owe you? I said, nothing. He said, Really? I said, yeah, nothing. He said, but I took your time. I said, it don't matter. He said, took electricity. I said, it don't matter. We need to be willing to do things for our neighbor without getting something back for ourselves. Amen? Now, let's get to the scripture just a little bit. And uh, these are very distracting. I don't know whether you know that or not, but (laughs) they're not even open yet. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, as I was reading that, I think it's talking about the church. Amen? And I think it's talking about the leadership of the church, and you should love the people who are in the leadership positions of the church and should appreciate the work that they put in. Most people don't realize how much work goes into keeping a church running smoothly. Right, Rick? Right, Rita? 
<laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to go. There's a lot going on, and we have to appreciate all the things that that are happening behind the scenes that we do not see. We come in here on Sunday morning. And we see, uh, we see Gary get up. He's got his song list all made out. He's got everything lined out for who's going to sing the special. He's got everything lined out for the worship service. And Brian has all the things lined out for the children's message. And Ray's supposed to be ready. <laughs> or the pastor's supposed to be ready. And that's what we think church is about. But church is more about that. And we should, we should realize and hold up one another uh, 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 and esteem one another and show that how much that we appreciate one another whenever the church works smoothly. Now, one thing I want to bring out, and I heard a staggering statistic just this week. 51% of evangelicals, evangelical Christians, that's the Baptists and Methodists and blah, 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 all, all the other denominations. 51% thinks that church attendance should be optional. Really? Do you know what now is considered a regular attender? Someone who attends church twice a month. Isn't that sad? We're putting, we're putting our Christianity on a part-time basis. And Jesus did not die for us so that we could be part-time Christians. He died for us so that we could have eternal life. And believe it or not, you're living in eternal life right now. You don't have to wait till you die to be in eternal life because Jesus has given us eternal life. And we're in that right now. That excites me. I don't know whether it does you or not, but knowing that Jesus has already taken care of me. But let me get back to the church a little bit. We need to be attending church. Amen? It's the very least that we can do when Jesus would die on a cross for you and I to give a couple of hours a week to come and worship him collectively. Amen? Or oh my, one of the two. <laughs> you see, God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've never been loved that much. I've never been loved so much that someone would die for me other than Jesus Christ and an American soldier. They're the ones that give their life for me so that I could have freedom. Now, if we're going to be lifting up our church leaders, that means we have to be here. We have to attend church. My friends, church attendance is very, very, very important. Can you get to heaven without attending church? Yeah, probably. Kay and I are getting ready to embark on, a, on a, quite a road trip next week. And could we get to California without an air conditioner in our car? Sure, we could. Would it be better if the air conditioner worked? Can we get to heaven without attending church? Would it be better if you attended church? Would it be better if we worshiped together? Now... Still in the church, still in love. And this may be a two cough drop sermon, I don't know. 
Verse 14 says, Now we exhort you, or we strongly urge, brethren, to warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted and uphold the weak and be patient with all. Now, that's some pretty good stuff. How many of you are unruly? <laughs> yeah, we all have been. I have a grandson who, whenever he was in grade school, he liked to talk. Any of you have one of those kids? My son went up to the teacher and he said, because at a teacher's conference, he said, you know, Dylan's a really good student, but he just talks all the time. So he said, my son says, well, why don't you move him right up by your desk? And she said, I did, but he talks to me. <laughs> That's unruly, right? <laughs> As I was running a reference on this particular verse, I come across something that kind of staggered me just a little bit. Part of the definition for that unruly, and we all fall into this, is being idle. Not doing what God would have us to do. To be idle. In other words, come to church. I want, I want all of you, put your hands right here on your... Because I don't want to get in trouble whenever I say... And I, I do this every once in a while. Us Baptists, we will fold our arms and sit in the church and say, bless me if you can. That's being idle. That's being unruly in the church. You see, God didn't save us just to be pew warmers. He saved us for a mission. And that mission is not just bless me if you can but it's let me bless you. We need to be doers of the word instead of just hearers, as the Bible says. We need to be doers, and we need to, be, we need to have some action in our Christianity. Now he says, comfort the faint-hearted and uphold the weak, and then be patient with all. How many of you are really good at having patience? Romy says he is, but every time I touch him, he goes, ah! and then he hits me back. I don't think he's all that patient. <laughs> Sometimes people are very hard to be patient with. Kind of like I was talking about last week when you, when you drive up to the, to the uh, uh, drive up and get your, get your meal and, and they, they just slam the, the glass and you, you want to say, you didn't say thank you. We lose patience with those. But the Bible tells us if we're, if we're going to be doing what God really wants us to do, we need to be patient with how many? With all. Everybody. Even the ones who try our patience. Yeah. See that, verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. How many of you, you got me once and I'm going to get you back. You can't do me that way because I, I am going to hold this grudge and I'm going to get revenge. We do that, don't we? You say, oh, no, no, not me. Stop and think. Well, maybe I do. You know, I found out that grudges 
is only painful for one person. That's the one holding it. Because the other person that you're holding a grudge for may not even care, may not even know. So I'm going to give you some scripture for whenever somebody does you something, does you wrong, that you can pay them back biblically. Biblically, so that you can get them back. How many of you like that? Because somebody does something to us, we want, we want payback, right? And we want them to pay for what they've done for us. So I'm going to give you some scripture to pay back the ones who have done you wrong. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. And I love this scripture. I really do. But it takes a little effort on your part. Don't hold a grudge. But it takes some effort on your part to get this thing resolved to where God takes care of it. Everybody there? Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 17 through 21 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Ooh, I hate that. I don't like that part. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible. Okay? So in other words, sometimes it's not possible. But if it is possible, as much as depends on you. In other words, if there's a situation between you and someone else, you have to do your very best because you're a Christian. One of my grandsons used to come by, and he'd be at our house, and Kay would say something, and he'd say, that's not very Christian. <laughs> kind of put her in her place, didn't it? <laughs> as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, it's not always going to be peaceable. But we need to do our best to make it that way. The best that we can do. It says in verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge, avenge yourselves... But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Says who? Says the Lord. Okay. You got that? In other words, we're not supposed to take revenge. But here's what it says to do. Verse 20. And I love this verse. It says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? You feed him. If he is thirsty, what do you do? You give him a drink. For in so doing, and I love this part, in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. You want to get them paid back? Let God do it. Let God do it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Scripturally, if you have a problem with somebody and, you, and things aren't working out real well and, and you're trying the very best you can, he said, just love them and God will take care of it. I like that. Amen. That's one of the things that God has told us to do. When I was still working <coughs> up at EFI, we worked in this huge building and it was not air conditioned and it was hot. And we were having a summer kind of like this one had started out. And in the back of the building, there were these two huge exhaust fans. 
And the only way for us to get air was to turn these exhaust fans on and open a few doors. Now, the big door on the front was like 16 feet wide and 16 feet tall. It was huge. And if you open that door all the way up, all the air come in through that one door, and nothing come through the little doors. So I, my, my workstation was way back in the corner, and I had one little door back there, and it was hot, really hot one day. And I looked over, and they had the big door open. I was getting no air whatsoever. It's like 110 in my work area because if you're a welder, you got to have, it just gets hot. So I go up and I lower the door like the normal thing that we always do, lowered the door to about three feet from the, from the floor. That way there was a nice breeze come through the big door and all the little doors opened up. When they were open, they got a little bit of a breeze through there. So it kind of cooled my work area off. And... I worked for about 15 or 20 minutes, and I noticed my air quit again. So I looked over, and the big doors open. So me being selfish, I treaded all the way the 125 feet up to the front door. I lowered it back down to where it should be. I go back to my work area. I work about 10 minutes. I notice it's getting hot again. I look over, the big doors up again. So I walk back up there, and I close the door back to where it should be. And one of the guys who worked out in the middle of the floor, where he was getting the best breeze anyway with the door down, started cussing me like you wouldn't believe. So I walked back to my area, never said a word to him. About 15 minutes later, I noticed my air quit. What do I do? Hard-headed Ray. (laughs) Hit the button, lowered the door. Walk back by old Jim, and he's cussing me again. I get back to my area, and it gets hot again. Hard-headed Ray. This went on for like a half a day. He was so mad at me. He called me everything but a white man. And I just kind of shook my head and went on. Finally, he gave up. That proved that I was more hard-headed than he was. The next day I come in, the door was lowered like it, like it should be. And I thought, Jim's really upset with me. And I'm not going to get back at him. So I'll never forget. I walked by and he was in there working. I said, morning, Jim. Just kept on going. Went back to my work area. Next day, I come in the next morning and said, Morning, Jim. You know, a few of the good words, bad words. Next morning, Morning, Jim. How you doing? Went on for about a week. Finally, I come by and I said, Morning, Jim. How are you doing? I said, Okay. Then the conversation started again. Now, had I have went ahead and talked like him and acted like him, do you think things would have healed? Probably not. Probably not. The next portion of this scripture is 16 through 18. And it talks about worship. You see, God wants us to love one another and love, first of all, love him. And then he wants us to love one another. Secondly, he wants us to worship. 
In verses 16 through 18, if you'll notice, is one sentence. We need to look at our punctuation in our Bible once in a while. Now, I'm not an English major or anything like that, but I do remember that all most sentences end with a period or an exclamation mark or a question mark. I'm that smart, believe it or not. And these next three verses are very important because God wants us to worship him. And here's how he tells us to do that. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. I have another grandson. I love my grandkids. This, this kid, Dustin, I think when he come out of the womb, he was smiling and hasn't quit since. Any of you have one of those kids? I mean, he just, his nickname at school is Smiley. He'll be a freshman this year. Love the kid to death. He's always rejoicing over something according to his facial expressions. He's always smiling. And I think once in a while, how do us Christians portray the joy that's inside of us? Do we have a smile on our face a lot of times? And I'm, I'm not going to advocate that you have to smile all the time because sometimes life treats us wrong. Sometimes life treats us hard. But we rejoice always. Now, happiness is dictated by a situation. Joy is dictated by what is within, or Christ. You see, Christ gives us joy. And we can rejoice knowing that Jesus loved us enough that he died on the cross. We can rejoice in just about <coughs> everything when we think about God. We can rejoice in that. We don't necessarily have to be happy all the time, but we need to be rejoicing all the time because we're on our way to heaven. We are in that eternal life that I was talking about a while ago. Now, the next thing, it says pray without ceasing. We can't just constantly be on our knees and pray. But we need to be in a prayerful attitude all the time. When I was working a lot of time, I, I had this thing. I call it chit-chatting with God. We chit-chat with one another, don't we? Talk about some things that, that, that really don't matter too much. And we chit-chat back and forth and, and have, have conversations. And, and we should chit-chat with God. And, and whenever, I was, whenever I was working in maintenance, I had this toolbox that I pushed around once in a while. And I'd be pushed around and said, God, make this, please let this be an easy job. God, let, please let this make a repair be easy. And I would chit-chat with God all the time. And you know what? I think he enjoyed it too. Because he always answered my prayer. Now. You say, okay, I can't rejoice all the time. I can't pray without ceasing, but we can chit-chat with God. Now, pay a particular verse, uh, attention to verse 18. In everything, give thanks. What's the next portion of that? It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If I only knew what God wanted me to do, I'd be happy to do it. Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of you are so glad that you got to pay income tax this year? I am. I am. Because that meant I had income. How many of you are glad to pay your power bill? Uh, well, I, I should say I'm not because Kay pays it. <laughs> she pays all my bills for me. But I'm glad that we have power. When we were without power the other day, <laughs> I'm probably going to, don't tell on, on me, okay? Kay was so upset because it went off at 11 o'clock in the morning. And you know what that is on TV at 11 o'clock in the morning. And it still wasn't on at 12.30. Didn't bother me. But you know what? I'm thankful that I have electricity. I'm thankful that I have a TV for her to watch. I'm thankful that I have a home to live in. I'm thankful that it's cool. I'm thankful that it's warm in the winter. You see, if we look, we can find something to be thankful for every moment of every day. And the Bible says this is the will of God through Christ Jesus for us. For you and I. First of all, we need to love one another. Then we need to worship one another. And then I'm going to be closing here in just a little bit, probably another 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> I'll be quicker than that. The third thing that he wants us to do is to live holy. The thing that went around a few years ago, what would Jesus do? Everybody was wearing the bracelets and, and everybody was talking about what would Jesus do? That was one of, that was one of the greatest I don't know if you call it a campaign or a fad or whatever you want to call it, but that was one of the greatest things that ever hit this country. Because it made us stop and think, what would Jesus do in every situation in our life? What would Jesus do if, if we got into it with our neighbor? What would Jesus tell us to do? He would tell us to love him. What would Jesus do on Sunday morning? What would he tell us to do whenever we, when the alarm goes off or whenever we wake up on Sunday morning and we say, you know, I really don't feel like going to church today. What would Jesus do? What would he tell you? Get your lazy out of bed and get to church. Get your lazy self out of bed. Now, in verse 21, it says, to test all things and hold fast what is good abstain from every form of evil even the appearance of evil we need to stay away from if it looks bad stay away from it now I wonder why he told us to do things like that abstain from every form of evil why A dear friend of mine years ago worked at St. Mary's Hospital in the maintenance department. He was a groundskeeper. Very good Christian man. Always stood on his faith. Always witnessed at the hospital and, and told everybody about Jesus. I mean, he, he was not ashamed at, at, at all. 
and he was down in the basement one day and, and walking through, and the guys were pitching pennies. And they said, hey, Ernie, come on over. Have some fun with us. What's he do? He reaches in his pockets, and he's pitching pennies with the rest of them. What did that hurt? Absolutely nothing except it hurt his witness. Because he was acting just like the rest of them. You see, people are watching you. There's someone that has their eyes on you, and they're watching you. And believe it or not, the lost and dying world knows how a Christian should live probably as well as you do. And they know when you make mistakes. But he tells us to abstain from every form of evil. Don't get yourself in a compromising position where people say, Ah, do you know where I saw Gary the other day? Do you know where I saw Ron the other day? One more story. <laughs> I love telling stories. Years ago, I had a, this blue Ford pickup truck. It was real light blue, and it was all trimmed in dark blue. And I bought a camper shell and put it on it and painted it myself to match the truck. It's the only one around like it. The only one. <coughs> My mother-in-law had hit a, I think she had hit a deer with her car, and her car was in the shop, and she said, Ray, can I borrow your truck? And I said, sure, I don't care. You know how a good son-in-law is? You all got a good son-in-law? <laughs> I said, sure, just take it. I don't care. Next day, I was at work, and one of the guys came up to me, and he said, uh-huh. I said, what? I saw your truck over at Party Liquor the other day, yesterday. Wasn't me. It was your truck. I said, it wasn't me. My mother-in-law was borrowing it, and she was probably buying lottery tickets. I saw your truck. You see, we have to stay away from the appearance of evil. We have to live a holy life as much as with, is within us because we are witnesses for God, and we don't want to do anything to taint our witness, if at all possible. So be careful where you go. Be careful what you do. So if you're waiting on God to tell you what to do, here's what he's telling you. First of all, to love one another. Love your church. Love the leaders of your church. I have to throw that in in case some of you don't like me. The second is to worship. And what's the third one? I skipped the second one, didn't I? I skipped the love. No, I didn't. I got the love. Live holy. Okay. See how good my mind is? That's the reason I retired as a pastor. I can't remember anything. But to live a holy life. Do those three things. That's what God intended you to do. Now, can I do them on my own? No. Can I love everybody on my own? No. Can I worship on my own? Not really. You see, we need God to fill our lives because we need that Spirit, His Holy Spirit within us to do the things 
that he has asked us to do. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you listening to his will? This is a general consensus of what God wants us as humans to do. Sometimes he calls other people to do different things. But this is what he wants the church to do. Are you doing it? Are you unruly, which is idle? What are you doing for the Lord? Brother Gary, would you come? What are you doing? Are you doing something for God? Are you telling someone about Jesus? Are you inviting them to church? Just what are you doing? Or are you just being yourself, going through your daily walks of life, coming to church on Sunday morning and thinking everything's okay? It's not. There's more. Christianity is a lifestyle. Is it yours? Stand with me, please. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.